Fantasy Podcast, episode 17, 1-7. Miles Ullman is here with you and joined, as always, by Chandler Hennig. What's up, everyone? Week six, almost in the books. Week six, about to be in the books. In the books, once you hear this, as yes. always, yeah. comes out on Tuesday morning, because we get you ready for those waiver wires. It's a big one. It's a big one. We have some injuries to talk through today. We'll talk about drop candidates. Waiver wire targets, streaming options, trade targets, plus a little bit of strategy as we talk about bye weeks. Yes. Bipocalypse uh, coming up. The bipocalypse. Yeah, that's true. Week seven is a big one. Yes. There are what eight, eight teams or something on bye? I think it's six, but six. all of the all of the six have at least one, but more frequently like two or three very fantasy relevant options. That's why it's such a headache this coming week. Yeah. Um it was a big weekend for football. I did not get to watch a ton of it. Where were you, Miles? I was in Philadelphia. Oof, the birthplace of, uh, of American independence. <laughs> the city of liberty, as they say. <laughs> um, I was visiting my friends Noah and Brandon. So Shout out to them. Also saw a couple of our of our Dynasty League mates. Shout out to Mora. Shout out to Min. Nice. Um, it was a really good time. It, we we went out. I, I did Geno's and Pat's for the first time. Nice. Which I had never done, even though I've been to Philly many, many times. Um, but I just never done the Geno's and Pat's because there are better cheesesteaks than Geno's and Pat's. But um, now that I've had them, I don't even understand why it's a debate. Geno's is, is pretty clear. It's pretty clear that Geno's is better. I can't offer a whole lot here. I'm a big cheesesteak guy, but I have never been to been to Philly, so I'll have to hit you up at some point yeah, and we'll get, the, uh, get the lowdown. We'll figure out a trip at some point, but um, it was a good weekend overall. I One thing I did not do is sleep. <laughs> I, I, I think I got a combined eight hours of sleep ah. um, the two nights. So uh, Monday morning hit a little hard. Yeah, Miles is tired today, but uh, we're here for you, Dirty Water Fantasy Clan Cult Community. One of those. One of those. Um, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. A little, uh, little bit more relaxing than yours. Cooked up a storm this weekend. It was nice to uh, to have some. Time. Oh yeah, wait! I didn't even ask you about those shells that you posted. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, it's all for the clout. Everyone knows this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I posted a picture of some Tuscan chicken and shells Oof. on the uh, on the Insta story and got a lot of love actually. As I said, it's all for the cloud. How'd they come out? Because they looked it was unreal. Inc- it was incredible. So in the slow cooker, like three or four hours. I, you Oof. know. Alf- tons and tons of alfredo sauce that was good for the soul not good for not good for the blood pressure but that's okay <laughs> that's good stuff um you also made your first trade yes at least in the leagues that we're in together yes that's true um first trade for the season for me as well too break that um, down for me so this was i think right after we recorded last last week i think it was a tuesday or wednesday in the dynasty league that miles and i are in with a couple other people you've heard on the podcast this year including andrew and ian i traded away Melvin Gordon and my 2023 second rounder that's in the rookie draft to Ian for Tyler Higby. Um, I was struggling mightily at tight end. I had taken, I'd waited too long in the draft was part of the issue with that. Um, I had been playing Blake Jarwin to start the season. I thought that was going to be an okay play. We now know that Dalton Schultz is the guy to own in, in Dallas from a tight end standpoint. 
and I needed to, to shake things up a little bit. So, you know, it hurt to lose Melvin. Um, he was actually a guy who I was starting and not being thrilled about, but he was giving me RB3 production on a week-to-week basis. Um, but I'm going to try and scramble and fill that position you know, over the next couple of weeks here, and hopefully Higby bounces back a little bit. He got eight and a half this past week, which is not great, um, but I'm still a believer in the talent and the opportunity there, and, and hopefully uh, hopefully that one will, will work out in my benefit. Who do you have behind Melvin Gordon? Yeah, so, I, you know, basically my, my strength in my dynasty team right now is my wide receivers. I've got Deontay, I've got DK Metcalf, I've got Godwin, I've got Michael Thomas coming off of the, uh, the pup list, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. I've got Zeke as my um, my running back one who's been awesome this season. And, yeah, running back two is going to be a bit of a, a struggle rest of season. I, I like Michael Carter. I, I'm hoping that, that his volume and his role continues to increase as it has. Um, he was, I believe, a buy low last week for me. So, you know, he will probably be a starter in, in a lot of weeks. And Kenyon Drake also had a good week last uh, this past week. Um, if he gets used properly, which I'm hoping the new coaching staff in Las Vegas does, he might also start to be a, a relevant asset for me as well, too. Yeah, so I think, it, I think that the trade made sense for your team, but I also think it's an overpayment for Tyler Higbee and an, and an, and an underpayment, or I should say, you, you, I don't think that you got enough value for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that's possible. I think he is probably in his last playable season. Yep. But I think, you know, trade him to someone who, who's a, who's also win now and who, um, you know, maybe had a tight end. I think that you could have gotten better value, but overall it's not a bad trade for your team. You'd obviously improve at tight end. Yep. Now you can start Higby every week. That's true. Um Melvin versus, you know, guys like Michael Carter, not that much of a fall off if there is a fall off. Yes, agreed. And the twenty twenty third second rounder, you know, it it might hold value, but it also might not be valuable. That pick might end up being a bust. And also dynasty picks dynasty rookie picks are less and less valuable the further out you get into the future so a 2022 second rounder is more valuable than a 2023 second rounder because you have them for an extra year yes yeah so um overall i think it's like it's not an exciting trade. it's not an exciting trade exactly um but it, it was one that made sense for your team and you know i don't think anyone necessarily won or lost yep. this trade but yeah um, we are also playing each other this week in that league. Yes. I, I will probably come away with the W there, but I didn't, I, it doesn't feel like a win that I can dunk on you for because I mean that team, now I'm going to improve to two and four yeah. in that league. Yeah. I'll be three and three. Um, as I said, my, the strength of my team is wide receivers. I kind of go on a week to week basis as my wide receivers go and Godwin, um, DK, Deontay played well, but Godwin and DK had disappointing weeks, and that's probably bad news for me on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, and Sutton pretty much carried me this week. Yep. Unless mm-hmm. Diggs has a blow-up game this week, but yep. we'll, or tonight, but we'll see. Um, the last thing that I want to talk to you about before we get into our takeaways here is bye weeks. Last This past week was the first week that players would be on bye. There are four teams on bye, Jets, Falcons, Saints, and 49ers. Um, and we didn't really talk about bi-week strategy how we think about bi-weeks um as as we get into the the meat of that stretch here in the regular season so um i'll sort of provide a few thoughts on on how i approach bi-week strategy and then you interject or, or add on afterwards yeah totally um so we talk about in draft season i at least i don't know if you do chandler probably not i 
can't remember the last time that I looked at a player's bye week before drafting them. That has never that has not been something that I considered during drafts um, for many many years. It is not even a tiebreaker for me. The reason is when I'm drafting, I don't care if a player is going to be out week eight. By week eight, eight weeks into the season, so much is going to be different. I'm not gonna that's I'm not gonna let that affect who I'm drafting, um, because I know that by week eight I will have a completely different roster and, and things will be different and I'll be able to, to figure it out. We are now in that time and so now it is time to, to plan for that, right? And so one thing that I really like to do is to plan, I like to plan a week or two ahead. So what I mean by this is um, if I know that I am going to have a starter out week eight, then I'm going to make sure that I have a bench player, someone I can fill in um, on that week, week eight. I do this, I would say, more for the onesie positions, QB tight end, and, and even more for running backs than I do for wide receivers, simply because wide receivers are so much more abundant that I probably don't need to carry them for an extra week. But um, running backs I might need to hold for an extra week. QBs, tight ends might need to hold for an extra week, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would say this is most relevant for running backs, though. Any any thoughts there? I'll pause there. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. It's, uh, you know, it sucks. It's going to be a nightmare to deal with, especially if you realize, you know, a week, week or two before buy start that you've got all of your starting receivers <laughs> on, on buy. That's unfortunate. The only thing I can say is everyone else is dealing with, this, with the same issue. Um, everyone's going to get hit with, with buy weeks in the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, exactly. And and this is where depth comes in. That's that's one yes. piece. Yep. Um another thing that I like to do when I when I talk about thinking a week ahead or, or two ahead is this comes into play when I'm dropping players as well. So for example, in our keeper league, um I had Tyler Conklin, whose bye week is this upcoming week, week seven. And he was on my bench. And last week I said, Well, am I going to play him this week? No. I picked up Zach Ertz and I played Zach Ertz. So therefore, am I going to hold Tyler Conklin for this week when I'm not going to play him and then hold him through his bye? No, that's ridiculous. There's no reason to do that. So I dropped him, and then now I opened up that roster spot for myself for two weeks rather than for one week. And so it's just little things like that that help you maximize your bench, as we've talked about many times. Yep. Yeah. Um, another thing that, that sort of correlates with that is check to see who gets dropped as a result of buys, right? We are going to head into the meat of the, the bye week stretch, as we said. And so a lot of fantasy relevant players are going to, to, to be dropped in your leagues because your co your, you know, your league mates are scrambling for bye week fill-ins. They need the roster spots. There are certain guys that they can't drop. And so guys who are sort of in the, in the middle tier of, of fantasy relevance, will get dropped in some leagues. I think a great example of this is Emmanuel Sanders. They have a bye coming up in week seven, the Bills do, and Emmanuel Sanders is a guy who should definitely be rostered in, in pretty much every format, but he's not necessarily someone who you would rather keep than your every week starters. He's probably not an every week starter for you, and so a lot of leagues will probably see Manny Sanders dropped. That's a guy that I would pick up as long as I can afford the roster spot to the roster spot to hold a valuable asset through their bye week. Yeah, 100%. And and really what this is down to is your league mates will have 
different bye weeks to deal with than you. There might be a week where you have no one on bye and you have a little bit more roster flexibility and you see a guy like Sanders get dropped and you think, oh my God, Sanders is on the waiver. He is way more valuable than what are, whatever my wide receiver four currently is. So, and it's going to happen to you as well too. You're going to have to drop players to pick up players who you're not going to want to drop. So that's really the reason that this happens is because bye weeks are not aligned and your league mates might get absolutely screwed over by buys one week. And that week, again, you might have a full roster that you're you know, concerned and you can be a little bit more aggressive on the waiver wire. Yep. The last piece of strategy advice that I will give here is trading to capture an extra week of value. And I'll explain what I mean here. So something that I really like to do, this is something that I very actively do in fantasy leagues and and it it typically plays to my benefit, is trade for players who are past their buy. So, right, we just had the Saints on buy. I'll use Alvin Kamara as an example. Whoever is the Kamara, whoever has Kamara on their team, um, just held him through his bye week, meaning they did not get Kamara for a week. If I can trade someone who has not had their bye week of equal value, I'm just going to throw Zeke out there, for example. I don't necessarily know if I would do that, but but let's say, uh, you know, let's say it's a Zeke for Kamara trade. Well, that means that I'm giving away Zeke, who has not played his, who has not had his bye week yet, getting back Kamara, who has had his bye week yet. So what am I getting? I'm getting one extra week of fantasy value, and that is potentially buying you one win, and we all know that one win can mean the difference between making the playoffs versus not making the playoffs. Now, that's not the necess- necessarily the best example, but these, these are things that I look to target th- as we progress through the season. You know, come week 10, there will be a handful of players who, have, who are really valuable and have already passed their buy. Trade for them and give up a player who has not yet had his buy, and that week, that way, you're never losing that player's value. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And and similar to this, take advantage of your league mates' bye weeks. If you are, if you're looking across your your league mates' rosters this coming week, and someone happens to be rostering three wide receivers who are starting on a consistent basis who are on by and I think that's possible I believe both the Rams and the Cowboys are on by this week um not sure about that but there are fantasy relevant teams on by this week they might have no one to play at, at wide receiver and they might need a win if I can give up a less valuable rest of season asset to get back a wide receiver who is out this week but I think is more valuable rest of the season that's a hundred percent a trade I'm looking to make, provided that I can absorb that that bye week on my roster. So again, Miles, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's awesome to acquire players and not have to worry about the bye weeks anymore. But you can also have that be a factor in trades and you know, be able to get players that are more valuable to rest of season at a slight discount because your league mates need to play someone on their roster this week. Yep. That's awesome advice. All right, um, let's get into some takeaways from week six. Yeah, let's start with the Panthers. Um, It is just strange for the Panthers right now. Chuba has been a a decent fill-in for for Christian McCaffrey. Um, That being said, it is clear to me that McCaffrey's absence is negatively impacting how this offense runs. Sam Darnold, who started off the season really, really well, now has two straight weeks of bad or mediocre performances, and he actually saved himself from a terrible week six, excuse me, week six performance with a late TD to Robbie Anderson. 
Darnold has gone from a guy that we considered maybe a week-to-week starter um, to a guy who I, I just can't recommend playing on, on a consistent basis. He's got a really good matchup this week against the Giants, um, and I still don't know if he'd be a top streaming option for me at, at quarterback. In terms of the wide receivers, DJ Moore has had back-to-back weeks of you know, kind of down, okay-ish performance, but I think he'll be fine. He had a little bit lower target volume in week five. He had seven, but he bounced back up to 13 in week six. That's exactly what you want to see out of out of a starting wide receiver. The quality of those targets does stink, unfortunately, um, which, you know, will impact how valuable DJ Moore is, but we want to chase that volume, and I still think he's a solid wide receiver, too, with upside rest of season. Miles, is that how you're thinking about DJ Moore right now? I, I, I value him higher than that. I think he's a, a low-end one. Okay. Um, the other wide receiver, other player I want to mention on this roster is Robbie Anderson. As I said, he, he caught a late touchdown from Darnold in, in week six. He is one of the most frustrating players in fantasy right now. Over the past three weeks, Robbie is averaging close to 10 targets a game. That's exactly why we suggested drafting Robbie where we did before the season started. But at the same time, Robbie also has a combined 10 catches over those three weeks. That's terrible. That's a 33%, you know, he's catching 33% of his, of, his, of, his, uh, of his targets. That's atrocious. Here's the advice. If you have Rob on your roster, I would probably hold him for this week. He might even be a streaming option against the terrible Giants defense. That's partially because he's getting volume, and McCaffrey's still out, and Terrace Marshall, who we'll mention a little bit in the injury segment, he went down this week. Darnold might have no other options except to throw it to Robbie, DJ Moore, and Chuba this this coming week, and that might mean production for Robbie in a week where you might be, you know, out your wide receiver two or your flex option because they are on by. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that analysis. I think that Robbie is a solid play this week based on volume alone, um, but he has been really disappointing. He had 11 targets and 11 yards this past week. That is difficult to do. It's almost like he tried to be bad. Is This is hard without context, but would you pick Robbie up if you need someone to stream this week? Yeah, if I need someone to stream, I'm, I'm okay picking him up for sure. All right. But not as a season-long ad. You know, I, I wouldn't think of it as a season-long ad. Yeah, um, and I fair. do. I also think that he is, you know, we, we talk about it a lot, but he is a good trade-away candidate if he does have a good week against the Giants this week. Yes. Yeah. I, I will also add that I, I still think Darnold is a good play against the Giants this week. You said you're, you're not super confident. I think Darnold's a good stream against the Giants. Um, but, yeah, definitely his... His, his season-long week, yes. value it has has diminished. Yep. Um, how do you have any thoughts on? Is it possible that Chuba has earned himself a role moving forward, even when McCaffrey does come back? Um, I can imagine that the Panthers, even when McCaffrey is healthy, will ease McCaffrey back in. I do think at some point this season there will be a time when McCaffrey gets back to the volume that we expected coming into the season, you know, barring the injury. But yeah, it is possible that even after McCaffrey comes off of the off of the injured uh, injury report or injured list, that that first game or that first couple of games there is a bigger split than what there was before McCaffrey went down. I think that I don't think we're ever going to see 2019 McCaffrey again. No, I can't I, imagine. I think that he's not going to see that volume again. And, and that begs the question, you know, would you, if you roster McCaffrey, would you trade him away for Dalvin Cook right now? Yeah. 
Would you trade him away for Zeke Elliott? Yes, I'd probably take Zeke right now. Would you trade him away for Austin Eckler? Yeah, I'd probably do that as well, too. Would you trade him away for Nick Chubb? No. Okay. So that that's about the line. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm roughly in agreement there uh, with everything you said, I think. So, you know, the point is there are probably still people in your league who value McCaffrey as the most valuable fantasy asset. And I'm just not completely sold that he is anymore. No, I, I absolutely don't think so. Again, he's rest of the season he's probably somewhere in the rb six ish range i mean him right. versus kamara is an interesting interesting one for me as well too right you know it's just really disappointing that this is the second straight year that he's the 101 and the you know in drafts and the second straight year that that is not going to pay off and and having the most valuable fantasy asset is is not going to lead to championships most likely this year yeah agreed um i wanted to talk about the miami dolphins um, this team is a mess for both fantasy purposes and real life. They just lost to the Jaguars, who hadn't won a game in 20 NFL weeks, which is bonkers. Yes, that's I'll, crazy. I'll start here with the RBs. Um, I think Gaskin is bad again. <laughs> I, he, he, let, let's talk about the numbers. He had the same number of rushing attempts, five, and fewer rushing yards than did Malcolm Brown this yeah, past fantasy week. Fantasy stud Malcolm Brown. Yeah, fantasy stud muffin Malcolm Brown. <laughs> um, both of those guys had fewer rushing attempts than Salvan Ahmed, who had seven carries. Gaskin still had the most running back opportunities because of his six targets, but he only caught two of those six targets for a total of five yards. It doesn't really make sense what's going on given how good any running back who got volume on the Dolphins was last season. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I just don't think I really want exposure to any of these guys. Last week we told you to trade Gaskin and we hope you did, but I, I'd still be looking to move off of him. Even if you can get RB two slash three value, I just don't like where this team is headed right now at wide receiver. Um, Jalen Waddle had his full on breakout game. He was 10 for 70 and two touchdowns on 13 targets. It's important to note here that Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Preston Williams were all absent from this game, which definitely accounts for some of the the reason that, that Waddle had so much volume. But he, to me, is the clear wide receiver one for this franchise for the next however many seasons moving forward. Um, I think that the other guys I listed, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Preston Williams, can be dropped, and you can consider them one-week fill-ins as needed moving forward. Um, and it's also probably worth noting that Gesicki has been really great the last four weeks at tight end. Um, he's currently the tight end eight on the season, which is worth noting because for the first couple of weeks of the season, we thought that he was um, nothing. So, it, the the landscape, the fantasy landscape for the Miami Dolphins is a very weird one, very similar to the Panthers in that just a lot of things don't really make sense. It's not necessarily what you projected, but um, overall, I just think that the team is 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 truly a mess. I don't know how else how else to put that. Yeah, I, I a couple points to go over there. Would you trade Gaskin right now for Zach Moss? Yes. I mean, I mean even that's kind of surprising too. But yeah, I. I it's so frustrating. I, I think the thing with Gaskin is you're just not going to want to play him. You, you might luck into a 30-point week, but I, there's just you. There's RB3s and RB4s that I imagine people have on their rosters that I'd feel more comfortable playing on a, on a week-to-week basis than Gaskin right now. 
Um, Devontae Parker, I would probably I I break out him slightly, you know, between him, Fuller, and Preston Williams. I still think Parker's a decent a decent talent. Um, he's an end of the bench guy, absolutely, right now because I totally agree that Waddle is the alpha um, at this point. He's shown that to be the case across two different quarterbacks, and now Tua is back and clearly likes his. I believe college wide receiver as well too. There's some level of familiarity that both of those guys come from Alabama. Um, and yeah, Gasicki, he's been awesome. He, he would be maybe like a top six upside guy if the Dolphins would like not randomly involve other you know random tight ends. <laughs> Durham Smythe. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean Gasicki's awesome. Continue to play him. That's that's the only uh, you know advice there. Fair enough. All right, let's get into some injury recaps and some NFL news. We have news. Trade alert. Uh, the Eagles have traded veteran tight end Zach Ertz to the Arizona Cardinals for a cornerback and a fifth-round draft pick in the 2022 draft. As a reminder, the Cardinals were in need of a tight end. Max Williams, their starting tight end, who was playing pretty decently, just suffered a season-ending injury in Week 5 and was added to the, the season-long IR. Um, break this down for me let's start with the cardinals players i think we agree that deandre hopkins will be fine any impact to the secondary receiving options christian kirk rondell moore aj green chase edmonds yeah i think all these guys probably get slight slight downgrades um they maybe go back to where they were when max williams was on the roster because williams going down seems to you know free up whatever it was five or six targets a game and those were most likely being spread kind of across these couple of guys. So it's not a significant bump down, but, you know, the the Cardinals just traded for Ertz. Um, they obviously like him. They see him as a valuable asset. I would expect them to incorporate them, him, him into game plans. And, yeah, that means less involvement than for, for all these guys. And, again, I don't think it changes how you perceive, especially those first few wide receivers. Those guys are shot-in-the-dark plays on a, on a week-to-week basis. They have a lot of upside because of Ky- being attached to Kyler, but Kirk and Green had good weeks. Ronda Moore, I think, did nothing in, in week six. So that that sort of outlook does not change for these guys with the addition of Ertz. What about for the Eagles players? And really, when I ask this question, I mean Dallas Goddard. Yeah, Dallas, Dallas Goddard gets a huge bump. Um, we'll come back to this because you'll hear about him in the uh, in the trade segment. Okay, sounds good. And last but not least, how does it affect Zach, uh, Zach Ertz? Yeah. How, are, how are you viewing him? Yeah, I, Miles, what a, what a pickup by you. Um, yeah. I, Zach Ertz gets massively, massively more value, uh, valuable. He goes into a team um, that was giving their tight end volume and has, you know, we talk about Kyler versus versus, um, um, versus Hertz in terms of a fantasy, fantasy perspective and how that gap might not be gigantic, but from a who do I want throwing my ball to my uh, to my player standpoint? Kyler is a huge upgrade over over Hertz, and now it is just Hertz, you know, by himself. From uh, he's not competing with Goddard for tight end t- touches anymore. Yeah, exactly. And it's better offense. It's better quarterback throwing the ball, like yes. you said. Yep. It's also Max Williams had success, like we mentioned. That success was a little bit touchdown dependent, but Zach Hertz is better than Max Williams. Yes. We like to make fun of Zach Ertz for being washed at this point in his career, and he is, in a way, a little bit of a shell of, of his former self, but he is still capable. He was getting what, what I think he had 31 targets over the over the first six weeks of the season. That's five targets a game. Yep. He's now moving to a better offense, um, you know, more scoring potential. 
I am really excited about Zach Ertz's upside here. I would be picking him up if he's not rostered. I would even be looking to buy low on Zach Ertz um, if you can get him for, for decent value because um, I, I do think that he will be used. Yeah, agreed. Um, just a note also on the trade deadline. Do you want to do, do you want to talk about this? Because I know you put this in here. Yeah, sure. So the NFL trade deadline is November second. Uh, it's two or two weeks from when this will come out um, tomorrow morning on on Tuesday. There are a few fantasy relevant players who have been mentioned in in the trade rumors. The biggest one, or the one that maybe feels most likely, is Marlon Mack. We actually know that the Colts have agreed to try and and try and seek a trade or allow Mack to try and seek a trade. Um, Running backs are banged up in the league right now. It would not shock me if, if some team goes and gets Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack doesn't really have a role right now because Jonathan Taylor has looked so good, but he is a player that might might get more valuable um, you know, if he moves to a, a different team. A couple other names that might you know have appeared on some lists included OBJ, Allen Robinson, Rojo maybe as well too. And here's the advice. We, don't, we generally don't want to make roster moves, pickups, trades, in anticipation of any trades in the NFL. But similar to how we've been talking about picking up handcuff running backs, these are players, you know, especially if they're on waiver wire, you know, on the waiver wire like Mac, like Rojo, who you might want to add to the end of your bench at the end of a week once a couple of your players or one of your players becomes IR eligible and you can move them to the IR slot. Because again, what we're looking for on the waiver wire is surplus value. If you pick up Mac for a zero dollar bid, or you grab him, you know, in the free free ad section of you know portion of the week, and suddenly Mac gets traded to I don't know, let's say the Chiefs or something like that, Marlon Mac becomes way more valuable, and maybe someone you can trade away and and gain you know some of that surplus value for a move that costs you absolutely nothing. Yeah, I have nothing to add except that, and I tweeted this out that I think Ronald Jones is a really strong buy low candidate in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I still do kind of believe in the talent. I, I, not, I shouldn't say kind of there. I, I do still believe in the talent, um, and I just think that if he were traded to a team, maybe the Miami Dolphins, and he got the volume, he would be really successful. Yeah, uh, I, I think Allen Robinson is also obviously a really good buy low in Dynasty as well. Yep. Um, all right, let's get into some injuries. Here is who was placed on IR since we last recorded, meaning they're missing a minimum of three games. Christian McCaffrey hamstring um this one sucked there seemed to be a chance heading into week five that he would play then he missed practice to end this past week and was ruled out of the game with the vikings and then he was subsequently placed on ir on saturday there's no handcuff to pick up chuba is already widely rostered probably 100 percent rostered after this week's waiver wire runs um when we already talked about CMC's outlook potentially being a, a trade away if you can get good value on him. Um, Chris Carson was placed on IR with the neck injury. Um, again, his primary handcuff is already widely rostered. Alex Collins is rostered in 62% of leagues. Go hit, pick him up if he is available. Um, he Collins, played awesome, by the way, in, yeah, in the game um, on Sunday night. 101 yards, I believe. And like 20 on 20 rushes or something. Just what you want from from like a, a RB1 volume almost. He was good. He did get banged up during the game. Yes. Um, I think I'm still expecting him to play in week seven. But if he is not available, are you interested in DJ Dallas, who had five targets in this game? No, because Rashad Penny is back, and we'll talk about Rashad in, in a little bit here on the waiver wire segment. But 
it's going to get behind Collins. It gets murky pretty quickly. And I, I don't envision someone having that volume that I need, you know, that I'm interested in picking up. Um, DJ Dallas is like a really end of the bench, very deep, very deep roster ad for me. Okay. Clyde Edwards Lair placed on IR with that knee injury. Daryl Williams, uh, in relief of him, scored more points this week than Clyde has scored in a game all season. So that hurts. Um, not really much you can do here, except if Daryl Williams is still available, pick him up. Yeah, um, and the worries for Clyde continue. I, I cannot imagine he has a full workload when he, when he eventually comes back from IR. Russell Wilson placed on IR with that finger injury. Um, you had a side note that you wanted to mention He's here. Such a dork. I don't know <laughs> if you saw this video, um, but before the game, he was out there like doing like envisioning the game and stuff. Which whatever, I understand the elite athletes like envision their games and stuff like that. But he's also like calling audibles and like like in the huddle, which is just oh God, he's such a he's such a dork. Um, you know, whatever he's you know whatever you got to do, I guess. Russ is an NFL quarterback, but just what a loser. I I. I get it, and it is hilarious. It's a hilarious video to watch if you haven't seen it. But also, Russ at this—I'm not going to question anything that Russ does at this point. Yeah, that's he's fair. A, he's a—he's uh, elite, and he probably is built different. And and if this is what he needs to do to stay on point, then so be it. Also, like the the reports on like Twitter and stuff have been like ridiculous. It's like he's supposed to be able to bend his finger ten percent at this point. Yeah. And I think like seventy five percent is the angle or something. Yeah. I don't know. This is everyone's going nuts with this stuff. Um yeah, he's on he's on IR and that's all you can really do right now. This this does affect DK and, and Lockett. Um DK had an okay game. He didn't play great, but he did get a, a decent number of targets. Lockett I, I don't think you can start right now. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, that's that's pretty much what we said when we found out about this news last week. Yep. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster was placed on IR with that shoulder injury. He's done from for the season. Um, we'll talk about Pat Fryermuth this week. He had seven targets with no Juju. Any interest in James Washington or Ray Ray McLeod? Yeah, it seems like Ray Ray is actually the wide receiver three now, which was surprising because they always seem to like Washington. They just have never given him volume for some reason. Um, but. Those guys don't have the talent of Juju, um, and we talked previously about how volume was an issue in this offense. I think it's going to be Claypool and Deontay on a week-to-week basis, and, and maybe we'll get some Fryermuth mixed in. Yeah, and Najee, of course. Yes, exactly. of course. Um, and lastly, we talked about this, but Max Williams placed an IR with the knee injury. Um, this is why Arizona traded for Ertz. Here's who's who was out heading into the week six games, not on IR. Nick Chubb out with the calf injury. Um, Chubb's status is in the air for week seven. They have he the Thursday making game. progress, I believe, was the quote from uh, from Stefanski or something like yep. that. Um, we'll we'll talk about this. Hunt did get injured in the game, so if they don't have Chubb, the Browns RBs will be good pickups. Curtis Samuel missed with the groin injury. Sammy Watkins missed with the hamstring injury. Devontae Parker out with the hamstring. Preston Williams out with the groin. Uh, Damian Williams, running back for the Bears, got COVID. Um, Missed the game. Khalil Herbert, who was at one point the RB3 for this team. Actually, at one point, probably the RB4, including Tariq Cohen. Tariq, yeah. He had himself a game. He had, yes, what, he 20 did. carries, hey, he was 97 awesome. yards. I, yeah. I saw something that uh, he didn't lose yardage on a single play, wow. which is really impressive. Yeah. So he was good. Um, again, I, I still think... I still am a little bit worried for David Montgomery when he comes back. I just think the other running backs will get some will get some run. Yeah, I get it. 
Darius Slayton missed with a hamstring. Kenny Galladay missed with the knee. Saquon missed with the ankle. We've talked about all those. That was a giant portion of the uh, the injuries. <laughs> yeah, a, a giant portion. Yeah, a giant portion. <laughs> uh, Samaj P. Ryan missed with the COVID. With the COVID. The COVID. Samaj P. Ryan missed with the COVID, and Chris Evans kind of shined. Captain in, America. In Captain America. Chris Evans shined. That was um, a beautiful in, touchdown in, pass. In I'm not sure if you saw. Yeah, that I did. I did. Wow, like bro, like dropped that in the bread basket where only Evans could have could have caught that. I I kind of think that. Samaje is gonna get downgraded to RB three. I think that Mixon and Chris Evans are really electric yeah. as a pair, and Samaje is just kind of meh. And it'll be interesting to see. Chris Evans is a pickup. Um, Dallas Goddard missed the game with COVID. We'll talk more about him later. Um, Rob Gronkowski continues to deal with the rib injury. Um, I think that Gronk is a buy low if you can. If if someone's frustrated, try to get Gronk because. Um, the the tight ends OJ Howard Cameron Bray are still getting volume. Yes, I think true. all of that will go to Gronk when he's back. Yep, agreed. Um, couple of healthy scratches to get through. Tyson Williams running back for the Ravens. That's now two healthy scratches in three weeks. Can you drop him? Yes, and that's sandwich between those inactives was a pretty bad week as well yep. too. I believe he got maybe like I think three fantasy points. That might have been that might even be high. Yep, it was a fairly even split between Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, and Latavius Murray, though I think Murray should still be thought of as the leader of the backfield. Yeah, and Bell did get a decent percent of his touches after Murray went out late as well, too. So for me, this is likely going to be a 1A, 1B between Murray and Freeman. Again, we have to see because Murray did get injured as well, too, unfortunately. Yep. Um, The other healthy scratch to talk about is Peyton Barber. Both Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake had pretty good games for the Raiders. Um, I thought that it was really interesting that Drake was more involved than he had been with Gruden no longer coaching the team. Um, I think Kenyon Drake is definitely a pickup if he had been dropped. He was 60% rostered, and also interesting that Peyton Barber was Gruden's guy, and now they the organization is realizing, hey, Josh Jacobs is way better. Yeah, wow, Raiders coaching staff using their weapons effectively, huh? Who would have thought? Yeah, maybe the Raiders will finally zig when other teams zig. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Not gonna put, not going to bet on that one quite yet, but yeah, let's give it a week or two maybe. Fair. Um, some in-game injuries to talk about from week six. Odo Beckham Jr. Uh, missed some time in this game with a shoulder injury, but he came back after being out for a bit. Um, we expect him to be fine, but we'll keep you updated. Kareem Hunt, this is a big one. Non-contact calf injury. There were some concerns that it was an Achilles, but that is not the report. Um, he's going to miss at least three weeks, almost definitely. Uh, a stint on the IR seems very likely. Um, and we'll talk about some running back pickups during the waiver wire segment, but Jarvis... Could be a good play if he's active. Yep, agreed. Hunt often gets those short yardage targets. Yep. Um, that will probably go to Landry. Um, Baker Mayfield from that game also dislocated his non-throwing shoulder. Um, he's in a sling, but he is expected to play through the injury, which is pretty impressive, but I, I don't know. A I don't lot know of injuries. Expect- I think he's trying, and I think I saw that he's getting a second opinion or something okay. like that. So I... I- this one, I don't know. This is a Thursday night game as well, too. So mm-hmm. these guys, Chubb, Baker, um, Odell, you know, he seems like he's okay. Even Jarvis coming back from from the, uh, from the being out for a while, they have less time this week to get healthy than they would in a, in a standard week. So that is something to be aware of as well. Yeah, tough. and they also have a lot of defensive injuries as well. Yes. Tough yeah. going for the Browns right now. Um, Antonio Gibson, 
he was dealing with stress fra- fractures in his shin, apparently, heading into this week. Um, re-aggravated that injury during the game. He left the game, but then came back in after getting injured, ended up being slightly out-touched and significantly out-targeted by J.D. McKissick, which is not news, unfortunately. He had an MRI today on his lower leg, but um, haven't gotten reports from that yet. Overall, the situation is just not great, and to be honest, I'm I'm personally trying to move off of Gibson if possible. I agree. Not this week when he had a terrible week, yep. but if if in the next two or three weeks he has a good week, I, I probably would try and trade Gibson away. Yeah, I, I saw something. I, I'm going to you know butcher these specific numbers, but um, J.D. McKissick over the last two seasons is out-targeting Gibson on third down like four to one yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah, they, they love him. It's, that's the, that's yeah. their third down guy. Gibson does not get the, the passing volume, unfortunately. Kadarius Toney, another giant injury, um, missed the game, came out of the game with an ankle injury. Very early. I believe seven plays in. Yep. He was heavily, heavily involved before going down. He had three targets and three receptions on those seven plays. So to me, he's a hold if he does miss time. Um, hold him through the injury because I think that he's going to be great when he plays and I think that he's going to be a focal point of this offense but I do expect him to miss week seven at the very least I do want to say I agree with the hold he would not be a buy low for me right now though because if he does miss time that will presumably allow time for other Giants wide receivers to get healthier and Again, Kadarius does not need the volume. He's an electric player who can do a lot with a little, but he is significantly more valuable, and we talked about this last week, because of the extensive number of injuries for the Giants wide receiver and core. Yeah, I, I'd i be okay trading for him. I just don't think that okay. his value is going to be low enough to get a, a fair value done right yeah, now. Yeah, that's possible. Um, Latavius Murray, which we sort of alluded to, um, injured at the very end of the third quarter and then did not return. It was an ankle injury. Um as we said, the the Murray Freeman Bell split was fairly even, but Murray, if he plays, should still could be considered the leader of the backfield. Yes, and and as I did mention briefly, Bell got eight carries compared to Freeman's nine and Murray's nine, but half of those Bell touches were after Latavius went out in the third. Yeah, and and Bell didn't get any targets, whereas Murray and Freeman each got two. Yep. Um, Paris Campbell um, is expected to miss some time with a quote serious foot injury. And T.Y. Hilton um, injured his quad in the middle of the fourth quarter. The reports from today are that he checked out well and he's considered day-to-day. Um, he had a decent game. We'll talk about him later. Terrace Marshall left the game with a concussion. You mentioned that. They play the Giants in Week 7. Um, we know Christian McCaffrey is out, so we think Robbie is probably a, a pretty sneaky fill-in at wide receiver 2 slash flex um, this coming week. Dak Prescott injured his calf and MRI confirmed that it's just a strain um, on the very last play of that game with a beautiful pass to my boy CD lamb. Sidarius. Is it Sidarius or Sidarian? I think it's Sidarius. I think it's Sidarian. Yeah. Check me. Vet that. All right. Um, But Dallas is on by next week. So Dak and the rest of the Cowboys were not an option anyway. Um, And the last one is Alex Collins, which we mentioned exited Sunday night game very late with a hip slash glute injury. No news on that either. You're right. That's why it's your guy and not mine. Sedarian? Sedarian. Sedarian. Do you know the, uh, that movie Notorious about Biggie? Yeah, I know of it. There's a, I love that movie. There's a part where they're like, Notorious. And he's Sedarian. And you could also do Kadarius. That might be the best one. CD is Notorious too. That's true. 
Sidarian Notorious Lamb. Okay. We'll work on that one. (laughs) Um, A couple of non-injuries to make you aware of for monitoring. Monitoring. That's such a hard word, dude. Damian Harris played and was productive in the game versus Dallas. Was questionable going in. And Ridley had been out two weeks ago before that bye for a personal issue. Um, But head coach Arthur Smith says he'll be back in practice this week. So no worries there. Yep. One quick note. Harris did fumble on the goal line two weeks ago. So Mm. if you're a Harris owner, good to see him back and getting some volume as well, too. Definitely. And Ramondre got some some run. Yes. Five carries and a touchdown. So um, good news if you have him in Dynasty. Few drop candidates to run by you. First name, big one, your boy, Allen Robinson. Hey, Rob. I just want to note before you give an answer to this, he's scored more than 10 PPR points in just one game this season. Yeah, I. Uh, Robinson is, is an enigma right now. If you need the roster spot, I would consider dropping him, especially as we get into, into bye weeks. That being said, if you can afford to hold him for the next two weeks on, you know, the, the Bears are not doing anything this season. Fields is a good prospect, but they're not making the playoffs in a, in a pretty stacked division. If Robinson gets traded, which the Bears probably should do, given that he is on the franchise tag and almost certainly is not resigning with the Bears next season, Allen Robinson might become very, very valuable. Yeah, I'm, I'm so holding. If I, I'll do everything I can do to hold yeah. because we know that the talent should eventually win out. Yes. We agreed. have many years of sample size more than just these previous six games. Yep. Um, Alexander Madison is the next name to bring up. He got just three opportunities this week um, because Dalvin Cook is really good when he's healthy. Dalvin got 29 carries for 140 yards and a touchdown. I wouldn't drop. I'd try and trade him, probably. Like, Matt, in our league, for example, should probably trade him to me as the Dalvin owner. To the owner, Dalvin owner. Uh, because I am nervous constantly about playing Dalvin and, and his health. Um, if you can get, like, a running back three out of that, which feels like a pretty fair trade for both sides, frankly, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, and if you are the Dalvin rosterer, trade for Madison, probably. Yeah, I agreed. Um, Ronald Jones, the last name. He was five for 20 and only one target. Leonard Fournette had seventy eight percent of the running back opportunities for the Bucks. Yeah, I, I would drop. I would drop Roger right now again if if he is on your waiver and you have a, a maybe a free spot again. Like if on Friday a player that you thought was questionable or going to be able to play this week goes goes out and is IR eligible, I think you can pick up Rojo, but. I don't really have any interest in keeping on my roster right now. Leonard Fournette has this backfield as far as I'm concerned. It, it's I tweeted this out as well, but it's so frustrating that finally when we accepted that the Bucks use an RBBC, they are no longer using an RBBC, and Leonard Fournette, who we thought was bad, is now the bell cow. A reminder that Bruce Arians does not care about your fantasy team. Yeah, for real. Um, all right. Before we get into waiver targets... Here is a reminder that players who were placed on the PUP list before the start of the season are eligible to return this week. The two names there that are worth noting are Tariq Cohen, though I don't expect him to be back yet, and Michael Thomas, though the report from Rappaport today was that he's still multiple weeks away um, from returning. A couple other guys who are on IR who you should look out for because they may return in the next week or two or three— Jerry Judy already reported that he's not expected back for week seven, but probably if they're mentioning that, it's good news for his week eight status. Jarvis Landry we talked about. Michael Gallup is someone that we haven't heard a lot about since he got injured uh, after week one. Logan Thomas, I was helping Thomas, our boy, 
um, manage his roster, saw that Logan Thomas was dropped in his league, told him to pick him up and put him on IR on his IR, and now he no longer has tight end issues in a week or two. Rashad Penny, we've talked about. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Jamichael Hasty could, could be back this week um, for the 49ers. And also for the 49ers, Jeff Wilson was placed on the pup, but he's not expected back until mid to late November. So a lot of those guys, if you have an, an IR spot, there's no reason not to add one of these guys um, in hopes that you know you will be able to, to, to move them onto your starting roster or, or, or your active roster once they do return. Um, all right, getting into waiver targets for Week 7. Uh, we'll start with the Browns running backs. These are Darnus Johnson and Demetric Felton, who are rostered in 16% and 14% of leagues, respectively. This is primarily if Chubb misses, because if both Chubb and Hunt miss, then these guys will, you know, by default get some volume. I will say if Chubb plays, I'm not interested in either in either of them. I think that Chubb will just become <laughs> possibly the RB1 overall over however long Hunt is out. Yeah, agreed. Um, I Chubb's role, Chubb will be awesome um, if he is playing. Interestingly, if Chubb is out, I'd rather have Ernest Johnson as the more prototypical running back. If you were going to pick up one of these players, if Chubb plays, Felton would be that guy probably because Felton is seemingly the pass catcher relative to, to Johnson. So a little bit of a, of a confusing situation there. Again, I echo your, your take, Miles. If Chubb is playing, I don't have any interest in either of these guys. They're just not going to get a lot of work. Yep, good point. It, it, I'm so excited for Chubb because if he plays, I think Chubb without Hunt is better than Hunt without Chubb. So I'm, oh, I'm very excited. Yeah, I agree. Um. Another injury-based pickup is if Antonio Gibson misses time, both J.D. McKissick and potentially Jarrett Patterson could be valuable. Um, those guys are rostered in 54 and 4% of leagues, respectively. Um, I'd obviously rather have McKissick, but Jarrett Patterson should get some early down work. Yep, agreed. Uh, we talked about Rashad Penny, rostered in 14% of leagues. He hasn't played since he re-injured his calf in week one, um, but he has kind of always been hidden behind Chris Carson and has never really been able to get the opportunity because of health. Um, but the Seahawks like him. He was a former first-round draft pick for them, um, so, so, so some potential upside if he is off of the IR this week. Yeah, and he probably is the guy if if Alex Collins is out this week. Um, he, I would imagine there'll be a relatively more even split between Penny, DJ Dallas, and Travis Homer than if Collins plays. But again, this is this offense gets very murky. Um, I think if Collins sits and Penny is is back and active. Chris Evans, we talked about 7% rostered, might overtake Samaje as the handcuff to roster in Cincy, and possibly some some standalone value as well if, yep. if, if Samaje completely loses it loses his role. Yep. Um, and I would also say take a look at Devontae Freeman, rostered in 3% of leagues, and Lev Bell, rostered in 12% of leagues for some desperate depth. It's mind-boggling at, at, that Bell is more rostered than Freeman. I know, I, I agree, but I think just bigger name yeah, is maybe. probably what it is. Um, all right, moving on to wide receiver. We talked briefly about T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver for the Colts, rostered in 45% of leagues. Um, he went four for 80 in his first game of the season, caught all four of his targets. Um, so my first question is, Is do you think that this is here to stay? And my second question is, if it is, are we concerned at all about his return having a negative impact on Michael Pittman, who only saw three targets this game? 
Yeah, I, I believe that it's here to stay in the sense of four targets. 20 yards per, per, you know, per reception um, for TY is, is pretty high. Um, I don't expect that moving forward. And with that in mind, I think Pittman is, is going to be okay. I, I, you know, I think TY had the most targets on this team with four um, in week six. Pittman was right there with three. That, you know, murky other rest of the wide receiving core had, I think, between probably two and one. Um, again, we, we know that um, that Pascal just got injured. Um, or, sorry, Pittman. Uh, Campbell. Campbell got injured, excuse me. <laughs> I believe Pascal also did, did leave this game for a little bit as well, he might too, have. with an injury. And, and we know T.Y. is a player that's dealt with injuries as well, too. So Pittman, I, I still think, is the guy there. If, we, if it happens again next week, um, then I would start to worry. But for right now, I think Pittman is okay. And I, I'm a little, a little bit more nervous, but I still think he's a buy-low candidate as well, too. Agreed on all fronts. Rashad Bateman, 44% rostered. He went four for 29 on six targets and a 65% snap share in his rookie debut. He was on IR until then. Um, he had a 22% target share, tied with Mark Andrews for the team lead, and ahead of Hollywood Brown. It's important to note here that Sammy Watkins is out, but this is a guy who the Ravens invested draft capital in. The Ravens are playing really well. Lamar Jackson is playing really well and is finally getting respect for his passing ability as a quarterback more than just his rushing ability. And Rashad Bateman might just be an alpha possession receiver. We told you to pick him up you know, on the off chance that he's good um, because he had the upside coming off, coming off of IR. I'm really excited about Rashad Bateman. Yeah, agreed. Um, maybe Sammy comes back and, and that split is a little bit more even behind Hollywood, but it I expect it certainly would not surprise me if Bateman is, is the guy to own over Watkins by the time the season is done. All right. Tim Patrick, um, I, I, I wasn't going to include him here, but he's still just 44% rostered. Wow. He has scored fewer than 12 fantasy points one time this season. So he's a really solid floor play for your roster. Um, really good matchups the next three three weeks, and I think he's a really strong play as long as Judy is out and continue to miss and continues to miss time. Yeah, pick him up and slot him in your wide two wide receiver two slot when when your guy's on by or something. Amon Ra, Yu-Gi-Oh, St. Brown, rostered in 52% of leagues, so unlikely that he's available, but he had seven targets, and he's still the Lions wide receiver one. Yes, and notably, he got targets while Hawkinson got targets as well, too, which yes. is interesting. And Swift did as well. Yep. Jamison Crowder, rostered in 41% of leagues. The Jets were just on by, um, so this might be a guy who was dropped in your league, but um, in week five, he saw six targets, four for 24. Before that, I believe he had he had nine targets in week four. Um, another you know possession type of slot receiver that can be a, a solid floor play in, in PPR especially. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, wide receiver for the Browns, rostered in 7% of leagues, caught four of his five targets for 101 yards and two touchdowns. I think that I am bought in here, but you are not. Um, and I think probably the the question is is how how will be he be used when Jarvis does return as early as this week? I think yeah, I think Landry coming back will absolutely impact Jones. He's you know especially while while Odell was on the sideline dealing with the injury, he probably was the only person that Baker could realistically throw it to. People Jones is a talented talented player. That's not my issue with him, but you know he put up twenty six in in week six. 
I, you know, I can't do the math in my head right now, but I think 11 of those was on the one Hail Mary play at the, to end the half. Um, I am not chasing tight, uh, excuse me, touchdowns. I'm certainly not, t- not chasing touchdowns at the end of the half for 52 yards. Um, this is not a high-volume passing offense. We know what the Browns want to do with the ball. I think they might even do it more with Chubb being as the, the, the RB1 and the only kind of guy there. And we know that Baker is banged up. I, if you want to put a $0 bid on Peoples Jones, that's fine for me. But I'm sure not burning any waiver priority on, on picking him. Yeah, up. same, same. Um, KJ Osborne, sort of a similar situation here. 15% rostered, went 6 for 78 and 1 on 7 targets. Uh, we've played this game before. He had two strong weeks to open the season, but then he did nothing for the subsequent three weeks. You'd also be picking him up to hold him through his bye week. Um, so sort of a name to consider, but I don't think either of us is, is that excited for him. Nope. Dante Pettis. <laughs> Talk about a throwback. 0% rostered. The reason he's here is if Tony misses and Darius Slayton misses and Kenny Galladay misses, then he is the de facto wide receiver too. It is what it is. Um, 11 targets. Also, if John Ross misses, sorry. Are we expecting Sterling Shepard to play? Is that Shepard Shepard played um, this past week. Okay. 13 or 14 targets oh, yeah. as the wide receiver. It's really a good game, actually. Yeah. Yes, um, on your bench. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dante Pettis had 11 targets. Um, so th- this is only a good play if those guys all miss. This is definitely not a season-long pickup, definitely not more than $0. Um, Packers wide receiver, too. Insert name here. Insert name here. We play this game every year. Alan Lazard hasn't done much over the past few weeks. MVS um, is probably both of our preferences, but he's currently on IR, but could come back next week. Um, They have a good schedule coming up, so just a couple of names to consider there. Um, And the last guy I wanted to talk about is Nico Collins. This is just a dynasty play. Um, but he's a rookie. He returned from IR and he looked really good. He caught four of six targets for 44 yards. Um, so just a, a name to, to maybe consider for Dynasty. No one at QB that we're recommending pick up to pick up this week. Um, but at tight end, we have a few names. Dan Arnold is the first. We, talk, we talked about him last week. He's 21% rostered. He only caught two for 27, but he had five targets. Um, you'd be holding him through the bye, but if you can afford the roster spot, he has a great matchup in Seattle weeks, week eight. Um, and I think that he may hold some, some season long value at tight end. Anyone with a pulse at tight end folks at this point, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yep. Yeah. Kind of the opposite situation here is Ricky Seals Jones rostered in 39% of leagues. Um, he had six targets, caught four of them for 58 yards and a touchdown. He's doing a great job filling in for Logan Thomas while Logan is on IR. Um, and he's missing at least one more week. So if you need another one week, fill in pick up rsj um the last name is pat fryermuth brought him up earlier as well 18 percent rostered saw seven targets caught all seven for 58 yards had his highest snap share of the season at 60 percent um there's more short short yardage opportunities to go around without juju on this offense um but again though you, you'd need to hold him through the bye week i love fryermuth and dynasty if you can yep. get him in dynasty and you don't necessarily need to play him this season oh my god i think he's gonna be a, such a good player i agree um Let's get into our streams of the week. You take it away with QB. Yeah, Derek Carr, back uh, back in the good fantasy graces after a efficient Week 6 performance against a good Broncos D in Denver. It seems like this team came out and played with some fire since the firing of Gruden. And as we alluded to previously, the Raiders seem like they're actually starting to use their offensive weapons effectively. Um 
yeah, I mean, you know, very expensive backup running back. Kenyon Drake is getting in the mix. Um, you know, J- Josh Jacobs is playing effectively again, too. He's actually catching some pass. I think he caught passes. I don't know if he did this past week, but two weeks ago. Um, and, yeah, like, Henry Ruggs is also being involved, too. They're using him as a burner, which is exactly how they should be using Ruggs. Um this is, uh, you know, this I think is a decent play, and he's maybe a little bit more risky than some of the other options, but I think this is a, you know, a decent option for for this week. My QB stream of the week is Matt Ryan versus the Miami Dolphins. Um, the last two games, Matt Ryan has scored twenty nine fantasy points and then twenty one point five fantasy points last week, and he's thrown at least forty two passes in both. Um, he now gets his wide receiver one back in Calvin Ridley against a very vulnerable Miami team that we talked about. Um, just lost to the Jaguars. I-, I-, I like Matt Ryan this week. Yeah, and sorry, very quickly because I did not mention this, but the Raiders play the uh, the, the Eagles this week, um, which has been an up and down defense. Cool. Who's your tight end? Ricky Seals-Jones just mentioned him. Um, he is playing Green Bay this week. Again, four receptions and a TD on six targets in week six. The entire offense in Washington is banged up right now. Um, Heineke will need to throw the ball somewhere to keep up with the Packers, and I think Seals-Jones is a decent bet in this game. I'm going with Robert Tunyon versus the Washington football team. They have been a stellar matchup for the entire passing offenses uh, in fantasy football, and that includes tight ends, of course. I expect Green Bay to score a lot of points this week, and I think Tunyon should find his way into the end zone in this one. Who you have a defense? Yeah, Carolina Panthers versus the Giants. It seems like the Panthers show up on this list pretty regularly. Um, again, Carolina's been a solid fantasy play every week except for Week 4 versus Dallas. The Giants' offense stinks right now. They're, you know, they're, just, they're missing a ton of weapons, and Daniel Jones, as their quarterback, is injury-prone. Um, I think this is an easy, an easy play. Yep, I'm streaming the Cardinals uh, versus the Texans. We do this every week. Stream defenses against the Texans, especially when we're talking about the number two defense on the year thus far. Yep. And you're streaming the kicker from this game. I am. Prater um, versus the Texans. The Cardinals might score 50. Miles, we just looked this up. I think the the line right now is like minus 17 for the Cardinals or something. Um Prater should have a good floor, and he has good boom potential with you know some field goals. And I am streaming Nick Folk of the Pats versus the New York Jets. Um, he's actually the kicker number four on the year, <laughs> the K4. K4. And the Pats should score against the Jets. He scored 14 fantasy points when they played week two. Um, and I'm going to that game, so that should be fun. Jet up. Jet up, baby. Um, trade targets. Who are you buying low on? I love this pick. Yeah, we alluded to it. Dallas Goddard of the uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles, now the TE to own um, in, that, in that offense. So let's level set first. Goddard is probably significantly more expensive now than his price was before the Earth's trade. That's okay. We talked briefly about the combined volume that he and Earths were seeing up to this point in the season. They have 50 targets between the two of them. That is more targets than either Kelsey, who I believe has 42, or Darren Waller, who has 48. It is possible that the Goddard owner is already rostering another tight end because he has been inconsistent up to this point in the season. And as Miles said, he was out with COVID in week six. So if you are hurting at tight end, um, again, you know, in Dynasty or, or otherwise, you know, you just haven't had a chance or you haven't gotten those guys like Schultz and, and Dawson Knox who have popped up in previous weeks, and you happen to be deep at wide receiver RB, I would consider trading away a player to acquire a tight end in Goddard who I think immediately jumps into my top 10 rest of the season and 
probably has that top eight, top six upside as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I love this pick because I believe that this that where we're at right now is the lowest that Goddard's value will be for the rest of the season. I uh, we we joked a few episodes ago, you know, tongue in cheek about how great it would be if we could just play the Eagles team tight end. Yeah, yeah. This is that we're doing that. God, I love in season trades that benefit like multiple players. Yeah, oh, I love them. Yeah, and so you know, take advantage of this opportunity before his value skyrockets. Yep. My buy low is Javante Williams, another one of my boys. Look, Javante could have made this list pretty much any week of the season so far, um, but I simply couldn't resist any longer. As we talked about this summer, and as we've been saying for the last six weeks, you didn't draft Javante to be a starter in your lineup right away. But the dude is absolutely balling out just in ways that aren't necessarily reflected in fantasy box scores just yet. Let me throw some stats at you, Chandler. Before week six, Chubb had 11 broken tackles on 90 attempts. That's a 12% rate. Derrick Henry has 10 broken tackles on 142 attempts at a 7% rate. I should have said had 10 broken tackles. And Javante had nine broken tackles on 54 attempts. That's a 17% rate. 17% of the times he carries the ball, he's breaking tackles. He is one of, here's another stat for you. He is one of four running backs to average at least 0.3 forced missed tackles per rush attempt this season. Man, we're getting deep right now. I love it. The other three are Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and Damian Harris. So we talked about broken tackles and missed tackles. People cannot tackle this guy. Last stat is that Javante, including this week, has a run of at least 30 yards in all three of his last three games. Javante Williams is an absolute stud. I'm not sure when the takeover will happen, or even if it will happen this season, to be honest with you. But if you're in a keeper league or a dynasty league, understand that the sky is the limit for this guy, and now is the time to get him. Even if it's a pure redraft league, Javante is probably good enough to produce flex value with his weekly 10 to 15 touches such that it makes sense for you to take the chance on the breakout happening in the second half of the season would you acquire Javante for let's use a guy that was on that list Damian Harris yes you would give up Harris I would, for yes, Javante I would interesting would okay. you that one's tough I need to think more about what Ramondre Stevens's role is going to be towards the end of the season yeah I just don't think Damian Harris is that reliable his upside is is capped by the Patriots being the Patriots. And Javante Williams, like I just said, Williams has has unlimited upside. Yep. Um, all right. Talk to me about your sell high. Hello, Adam Thielen. Welcome back to Fantasy Relevance. Whew. More than a Thielen. Yes, more than a Thielen. Um, 11 receptions for 126 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. Whew. With Monday night football still to happen, Thielen is currently wide receiver 11 on the season. I love the Week 6 volume, but I also don't believe it's going to be the trend moving forward, and here's why. Kirk Cousins threw 48 passes in Week 6. That is far and away the most passes he's thrown since Week 1 when Thielen also had a good game. Justin Jefferson is still clearly alpha in this offense. He actually had more targets than Thielen did in in Week 6. Jefferson had 14 to Thielen's 13. That's crazy number. That's crazy volume for two wide receivers in a single game. So, Basically, in sum, I think the amount of targets available will decrease on a consistent basis, and I think Thielen's share of that, of that smaller volume will be lower than it was in Week 6. 
Thun turned a very good day, or sorry, a pretty good day, into a very good day with a lot of yards, which is not his game typically, and a touchdown, which is very much his game, but not something I want to chase. Let me throw a name at you, Miles. Deontay Johnson is currently wide receiver 18 in PPR formats. He missed a game. Um, I think that was week three, and he's also on bye in week seven. If your roster can stomach trading away your likely wide receiver two this week in, in Thielen and get someone back who has to sit on your bench for a week, would you make that trade? I would absolutely make that trade to get Deontay Johnson. And the only caveat there is I might even try to wait a week and do what I talked about, about trading for a player who was already passed sure. by. Yeah. Hope, the, the, the caveat there, though, is, is you, know, you need to risk Thielen having a not-so-great game. Yep, that's true. And his trade value, you know diminishing my sell high is deandre hopkins and i don't want you to get me wrong here because hopkins isn't someone i feel it necessary to move off your off of your roster he's obviously a weekly starter but he was drafted as a top five receiver for fantasy this year he's currently wide receiver 13 on the season and he's getting it done largely through his touchdowns he already has six touchdowns on the year that's the same number of touchdowns he had all of last year and he only had seven the year before that we say this all the time touchdowns are not a sticky stat right i'd much rather bank on volume when it comes to fantasy football well let's talk about his volume he is currently on a 17 game pace of 74 receptions and 1040 yards that's good that that's still really good But for context, those would both be his lowest totals since 2016 when he finished as wide receiver 26. In terms of targets, he's on pace for 108 targets for the season, which would be his lowest target total since his rookie season all the way back in 2013, and a reminder that he's playing one extra game this season. The point is, he's still one of the best wide receivers in the league talent-wise, but he's no longer getting the volume of one. Because of how much Kyler and this Arizona offense is spreading the ball, he's still the number one on a great offense, which is why he still has a ton of value. But you can sell him right now as probably a top five or ten receiver, and he's simply not going to be that rest of season. Would you trade, who do you want rest of season, Nuke or Calvin Ridley? Ridley. Really? Wow. Yes. Ridley is getting the targets. He's getting the air yards. The only thing that he doesn't have over... Hopkins is the touchdowns and you know I it's it's definitely possible that Hopkins is going to have an outlier year and score you know 14 touchdowns or something crazy but I I think I'm banking on the volume um once again also the Falcons are past their bye yeah that's that's fair and you can absolutely make that trade I would imagine in in pretty much any league yeah I don't even think you'd have to give up that much value to get Ridley but I, I think that I would make that trade okay Um, Last but not least, the Bills are playing the Titans tonight on Monday Night Football. What are you going to be watching for? Yeah, let's uh, keep an eye on the RB split for the Bills tonight. Over the past three weeks, Zach Moss has averaged around 15 opportunities. That's rushing attempts plus targets. And he's returned 10-plus fantasy points in, in each of those weeks. Devin Singletary is actually getting somewhat similar volume. He's got 12 opportunities over that time. Excuse me, he's averaging 12 opportunities over that same time but he's averaging just 5.5 fantasy points. It seems like Moss is the 1A in this offense. And if this trend continues, 
Moss will be someone who I'd be potentially looking to acquire as an RB4 or if I'm getting kind of crushed by injuries at a lot at, at RB, which is happening to a lot of people, he might even be an RB3. Um, again, I want to see this trend continue and maybe even grow a little bit so that split becomes closer to 60-40, 65-35, but it seems like Moss is slowly taking over this backfield and I might want a piece of that moving forward, especially if he's not a guy I have to play on a consistent basis. Yeah, Moss has been surprisingly good this season. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of people don't even realize it because we thought that he was a healthy scratch in week one, but he, that ended up being injury-related, something that was lingering from camp. Yep. Since then, he's been really, really solid since week two, and we always talk about it, you know, week one really alters our perception of, of yes. how players Agreed. perform. And so I think that if he had had as good a week one as he's been the rest of the season, you'd be thinking of him differently, but um, I, I love the take here. Um, I'll keep it short and sweet. I'll be looking to see how Ryan Tannehill does. Julio and A.J. Brown are both back in the lineup. It's kind of put up or shut up time for Tannehill. Um, you drafted him as a top 12 QB, and he's a drop at this point if he has another bad game tonight with his top two weapons healthy. Anything to add? Any last words, Chandy Man? No, I think we got it. Got it all this week. Big week. Good luck on the on the on the bipocalypse next week, everyone. You know, see what you can do in terms of scrambling for some players to fill in. As a reminder, I'll provide my thoughts on Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, and any breaking news over on my Twitter at Miles Ullman FF. You can follow the show at Dirty Water FF, Instagram at Dirty Water Fantasy, Facebook Dirty Water Fantasy. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Um, check us out on Spotify. Like, subscribe, click the bell. All other platforms were at anchor.fm slash Dirty Water Fantasy. Big we're week. out. We're out, baby. And we out. And we out. Good luck. Bye-bye. You're feeding them lies, feeding them lies, while you're dying inside, dying inside. Oh!